Have you ever found yourself doubting whether your work at home is meaningful? Have you ever really thought about or meditated on or pondered how much goodness and beauty are in your life as it is? This is the topic of today's episode on the Dorenda Wilson podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and The Four-Hour School Day. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can also find them at my website, dorendawilson.com. And you can find The Four-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. If you are interested in receiving a free digital download of the devotional that I wrote to accompany The Four-Hour School Day, all you have to do is subscribe to my monthly email newsletter. I'll leave a link in the show notes to make that easy for you to do. Also, if you didn't know, I have a mentoring course. This is an online video course or very video course series that I created a few years ago to just really explain in more detail and depth what it looks like to take a simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling kindergarten through 12th grade. And so that is available online and I will leave a link in the show notes for that as well. If you want me just to just tell you what it is and you wanna go there right now, it's theunhurriedhomeschooler.thinkific.com. Again, I'll leave a link in the show notes. Now, you all have heard me talk about CTC Math for some time now, but have you tried it out yet? CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. I encourage you to start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes to that as well. All right. So um, it's been an interesting journey recently. Um, it's, I don't know, I don't know where exactly it started, but I had this like continual thought that just kept coming to my mind. And it had to do with focusing on truth, beauty, and goodness. So as I've been sort of pondering that, what does that mean? Um, is it important? Um, I've just sort of, it's just sort of been something sort of lingering there. And I love it when the Lord does that. And then he brings different things along the way that just affirm that those thoughts and those wonderings are from him. So after I started to sort of ponder this off and on, um, I ran across an Instagram story um, and it was, it just hit like exactly what I was thinking and wondering about. And it was Owen Strand, Professor Owen Strand. If you haven't followed him before, he is um, just great. I love his posts. Um, I love so much of his perspective and I'm hoping to, I've actually uh, working on getting him scheduled in the fall to talk about his new book. I think it's called The War on Men, something like that. So anyway, he has a lot of really great things to say and to share, um, very, very encouraging. But one of the things that he shared 
was this. He was speaking to those of us, and I know that many of you kind of, you're on the same page as me in terms of you're always staying aware of your your sin, the fact that we are saved by grace, that there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, that this is, this is grace upon grace that God has called us to himself. And so sometimes in the midst of pondering that often and wanting to be faithful to that, we forget something. And this is what Professor Owen Strand was encouraging. He said uh, he basically wanted to encourage those of us, um, like I just described, um, who, who kind of have that same mentality that I just described. He said this, um, that he encouraged us to give far more attention to wonder, beauty, glory, delight, and joy than we often do. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, yes, yes, that makes so much sense. Sometimes in our effort to remain humble before the Lord, we become heavy. And, you know, so so it just brought so much balance to that because I, I there was just so much truth in that statement. So I continued to ponder that as well. And then we had a dear friend who passed away um, recently. It wasn't unexpected, but you know it was still definitely a loss for sure. And he, um, but his memorial service was right along the same lines. There was a massive amount of worship, of just delight and wonder and beauty and goodness in this memorial service. And um, it was just such a great representation that as believers, we grieve, but we do not grieve without hope. Um, The praise and worship was amazing to be reminded of all of these things in light of someone passing um, on to the next life into being with Jesus something really powerful about that. And then when the pastor got up to share a few things, one of the things that he shared was how our friend, our friend's name was TJ, how um, in, in one of his bouts with cancer, he'd, he'd gone three rounds. This had been his third round um, and that, that did take his life. Um, but his second round of cancer took um, his one of his eyes. So he, he had brain cancer and he miraculously recovered from that. So it was just an amazing story, but he lost this eye. But what this pastor said was that in the process of losing that eye and losing that physical sight, he gained another kind of sight. And then he went on to, on to talk about how TJ could see the beauty and the goodness in every situation and what a testimony that was. And so again, here was this message reinforced again. After that, I had a mom reach out to me who had listened to the the three-part series on the end times. And she asked the question, um, wondering if uh, Wes would come back on because he did those three episodes with me. If he would come back on and talk about how beauty and morality relate, how we can't have beauty without morality. So that was the last podcast episode that we did. And I hope you listened to it because it was just such a great, um, great explanation. And some of the things that he said were so, uh, 
were just so true, but I had never really thought through them before. So we had this great conversation. We recorded this podcast episode, and then that launched me into more questions about finding truth and beauty and goodness. And so when we were finished recording, um, I looked at Wes and I said, you know, I'm a really practical person. I tend to be really pragmatic. So I'm not typically in hot pursuit of beauty, truth, and goodness. So how do I, what practices could I, can I put into place that would help me do that? And so he, he had a couple of, you know, just like maybe one suggestion of a testimony of someone else that he had, he had heard from on that particular topic. But basically, you know, I walked away um, kind of like still pondering, still wondering, still with questions. Um, and so I realized uh, one of the things that I asked him, I was like, should I go to a museum? Or something, you know, like, should I should I go and look at some beautiful art? You know, what should I do? And again, he really didn't have any answers for me. And you know what, moms? That's okay. You know, like sometimes we go to someone and we think they're going to have answers for us and they don't. We can trust that he is going to give us answers somehow, some way. Often it's through means that we don't even expect. But as I was processing all of this, I realized how important it was that I was truthful with myself. So like I mentioned before, um, I had a previous episode with Wes and um, talked with him about this. And he had said in that conversation that as believers, we have a moral obligation to enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness. And that beauty can only be defined by God. Now stop there for a minute, a moral obligation And as I thought that through a little bit more, and I would almost like him to flesh it out a little bit more, but I could see the truth in that. If we as believers are not enjoying the blessings, the myriad of blessings, recognizing them, acknowledging them, celebrating them, focusing on beauty, goodness, and truth, how in the world are we truly going to be salt and light to those around us? One thing that Wes mentioned is that, you know, believers are really good, especially conservative believers, at pointing out what's wrong in the world, but not real great at suggesting where do we go from here? How do we live in this world in a way that is effective for the kingdom? Okay, and so that is something that I try to accomplish on this podcast. And uh, he mentioned that in that conversation as well. But it makes sense that this would be an obligation. I think we think some, I know I'm such a worker bee that sometimes I forget that God actually wants me to enjoy, to rest, to celebrate, to relish in truth and beauty and goodness because that is who he is. He is all truth, beauty, and goodness comes from him. So when we enjoy those things, we are enjoying him. And what did... I think it was Martin Luther who said the chief end of man, could have been Calvin, I don't know. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And those things are not mutually exclusive. When we are enjoying God, we are glorifying him. And when we're glorifying him, we're enjoying him. So that whole concept of having a moral duty, an obligation to enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness began to make so much sense. Now, we, as Wes mentioned in, the, in that previous episode, not everything is beautiful. 
And beauty actually isn't in the eye of the beholder. This is something we've been told over and over again. And we tend to like hang on to that as though it's truth. But Wes explains in that episode why that actually cannot be true. So I'm not going to take the time to do that now, but I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can go back and listen to it if you want to. So let's move forward. So if enjoying beauty, goodness, and truth is that important, I had to ask myself, why wasn't I doing that? And what practices could I engage in to be more obedient in that area? Now, what I found was that I actually am doing that in some areas. I just wasn't recognizing it for that. But there's a whole lot more of it that could be happening. And so I decided a a good practice, something that was very simple that I could do, um, and a good place to start would be just sitting quietly in nature, okay? So the next morning, I took my coffee, first thing in the morning, sat out on the porch with the intention of just taking in what was around me and occasionally talking to the Lord about how to focus more on beauty and goodness throughout the whole day. Well, it wasn't long until I realized how much I was sounding like a poor, sweet, misguided mom of of a preschooler who is in a quandary over what history curriculum to use for her four-year-old. And, you know, I would tell her that everything she needed to educate her four-year-old was right there in front of her. She didn't need to look elsewhere because it was unnecessary. So in other words, it was suddenly so clear to me that everything that I needed and I need to enjoy beauty and goodness had already been given to me. It's already around me in nature, in the family he has given me, in the home that he has placed me in. Wherever I go, wherever we go, moms, goodness and beauty are there if we are looking. And we've all been raised in and sort of marinated in a culture of consumerism. So when life becomes hard and messy, we're often tempted to grasp for things outside of what we have already been given. So a new product, a new plan, life hacks, a new book, more resources. But often these are the things that feed more into a sense of want or discontentment rather than the peace that we long for. My trip to the museum might have been good, but the discovery of the multitude of beauty and goodness that is right here where I live is what feeds a heart of contentment and wonder in my creator who carefully curated them for me. It's very, very personal. We have to understand that beauty comes in many, many forms. As I was thinking through all of this, I realized that I had learned to see beauty, goodness, and truth really well while my kids were growing up. So much of it revolved around their presence. I saw the goodness and the beauty and the truth in raising them, in in nurturing them, in, dis- in disciplining them, and discipling them, and having relationships with them, and in educating them, and feeding them, and just being with them. So since all of them are now grown, and most of them are gone, and our relationship has changed, although it's a very healthy adult relationship, our relationship is different. But I realized that I had lost that form of beauty and goodness And had not made a point of training my eyes to see the beauty and goodness in this 
new season. What an important thing to recognize, right? For all of us, even if you're not out of this season, that particular season yet, seasons continually change even within that season. You know, you've got the the season of child rearing, but then you have seasons within that season and they're always changing. Life keeps moving forward and we can become disoriented if we're not careful. Are we fulfilling our calling to enjoy truth, goodness, and beauty right where we live, right where God has placed us? Now, since I'm an older mom who is likely a little bit or maybe even a lot ahead of you, and I've walked the road that you're walking on right now, I want to share with you some of the countless places where I found and where you can find goodness and beauty in your life at home with your kids, with your family. So much of it is found in paying attention to principles in God's word and walking in simple obedience to those. We often make things more complicated by indulging too many ideas instead of focusing on the simplicity of obedience to God. He promises blessing and joy for those who do pay attention and obey. Once you experience the joy that comes with this kind of life, you really don't want to go back. God's blessings are not dependent on our perfection, but rather his faithfulness to do what he said he would do. We are in covenant with him. And as we walk in obedience to him, he pours out blessings upon us. And so I'm going to share with you the truth, the beauty, and the goodness that we participate in in this particular season that you are in right now, okay? So we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness when we discipline and train our children. Proverbs 29 says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Hebrews 12.1, for the moment For at the moment, all discipline seems painful, but rather pleasant. But later on, it yields the peace of the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Proverbs 29 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Hebrews 12.6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So God disciplines us for our good and we discipline our children for their good. And in so doing, we engage in truth, beauty, and goodness. Okay? So this that simple act of disciplining and training our children is participating in truth beauty, and goodness. We participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness. Now, let me say, we don't always enjoy the discipline part of it. You know, the actual act of disciplining our children, but there is a wonderful reward that God promises. And so when it's all said and done, there is goodness in it, okay? We participate and enjoy in, we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness when We are discerning with our words. Now, um, I just want to let you know that I am including podcast episode numbers where I talk about each of these things. So 
talked about disciplining and training our children just now, and I have five episodes on discipline, okay, um, that you can go back and listen to, and I'll include those links in the show notes. And I'm going to do this for each thing that I'm, well, for most things that I'm sharing, not everything that I'm sharing. So um, I also wanted to encourage you before I move on here, I, I forgot to preface this, that if there is a specific topic, um, specifically something that I um, mention here, because um, I'm going through a list of things that we participate and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness when we do these things. Um, if there's a particular topic that I mention that you would like me to expound on, I would be happy to do that. Okay, so let's move on. We participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness when we are discerning with our words. Again, I'm going to include a, an, a podcast episode on that. Let's go to Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Colossians 3, 8 says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So again, when we when we are uh, discerning with our words, there's another proverb that comes to mind. It says, where words are many, sin is not absent. And sometimes as moms, we tend to use way too many words. And I've talked about this before, especially when it comes to boys, they just don't do well when we use lots of words. They just shut down. Um, so we need to be careful. We need to be wise with our words. And you know, uh, God's word says that a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears hers down. And often that happens through our words. So when we are discerning with our words and we're careful with our words, we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness. Um, we do that also when we exercise biblical peacemaking. And what that means is not allowing conflict in our home to go on and on and on, um, that we handle conflict in a biblical way. Um, I did some podcast episodes on nurturing sibling relationships, and the information that I shared there from God's Word and the things that we learned along the way um, really apply to all the relationships in your home. They work with marriage as well. So I will leave a link to those episodes in the show notes as well. But it's really important that we are setting a tone of peace in our homes, okay? The spirit in our homes matters. It matters a lot. And we are in charge of that. We are the gatekeepers to that, to that that tone in our homes. We decide, moms, the kids are not in charge. They don't get to decide what the tone in the home is. And if that's happening in your home, I would point you back to the direction of the episodes on discipline. It's absolutely essential that you keep your authority in the home and that you are in charge of the tone, not your children, okay? And that can be a battle sometimes, but it is a battle worth waging. Um, one of the ways that I did this, just briefly, I can share with you. Um, when one of our children would have a really rotten attitude and you could tell it was just coming out and I would say to them, you need to adjust your attitude. 
and uh, I might give them a warning or two. But after the after that, um, and they were very those warnings were very close together, and I kept a close eye and an ear shot listening whether they were actually adjusting it or not. We've got to follow through on these things. And if they didn't, I would tell them, hey, listen, you're going to have to go to your room and work on this um, because, and I would tell them this, um, attitude is contagious. Like this matters. It affects all the people around you. You could That child could easily change the entire tone in the home that that cruddy attitude is very it passes very quickly on to other people and the and it's a way for the enemy to get a foothold and so i would encourage them to go to their room and try to make the adjustment and and to come out when they were done if they didn't come out in 5 to 10 minutes i would go back there with them see how things were going possibly pray with them, talk with them a little bit. Um, and then when I felt like they were ready, give them the opportunity to come back out and try again. And then there were further steps that I would take. Um, tomato staking was another thing that I did. That is a relationship-based tool that was very effective in our home. And I will leave a link in the show notes to that. Also, drive-through talking. I don't know if I've actually done an, a podcast episode on that. If, if it's there... I will link it. If not, I will go ahead and uh, do one on that because that was a really helpful tool in our home and still is to this day. Okay, so we want to set a tone of peace in our homes. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Psalm 34, 14 says, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That word pursue, that's a very active um, verb. We are pursuing it. We are working. We are moving forward until we get there, okay? Um, And that sometimes means we have to put everything else down in the moment and work through this conflict or whatever with our children and bring it to a biblical closure. Um, a lot of times it requires repentance. It re- requires apology. It requires my children to say, I'm sorry to me for being disrespectful or to each other for treating each other poorly or saying things that they shouldn't be saying that aren't honoring to one another. And again, they do not have to feel like doing it. A lot of times parents are like, well, I don't want them to do it if it's not really, their heart hasn't changed. We're training our children in the ways of the Lord. And God says that we are to do that. He didn't say when you feel like it or when your emotions are ready, then you can go ahead and apologize because it may never happen. We're called to obey first and then often over time, our emotions will align with that. Obedience is what changes our hearts, not the other way around, okay? So, Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. James 3, 17, but the peace, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. There's so much goodness and beauty and truth just in that verse right there. But what we have to remember is that biblical peace can only come through the truth, the truth of God's word. Truth and peace are not mutually exclusive. We do not pursue peace at all cost. In other words, we are not going to compromise the truth of God's word in order to have peace in our homes. In other words, 
I'll give you an example. I'm just telling everybody, everybody just needs to stop talking. I mean, there is a time and a place for that. Just stop talking because then we'll have peace in our home, but we're not actually dealing with this ongoing you know, just bickering that's been going on and going on and going on. You know, there are times that the bickering has started to happen and I just decided we're not going to have any of it that day. Um, I just get this sense from the Lord that I need to nip this in the bud and I would just tell everyone to be quiet. Nobody could talk. And I did that for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long I felt like I needed to do it. And then I would give everybody permission to talk again. It's amazing when they can't speak to each other, how the bickering simmers down. So we want to take the time to pursue biblical peace. That is a way that we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness. Another way that we do this is by submitting to our husbands. I have a couple of podcast episodes. I think I have uh, two and another coming up, but one is on biblical submission. The other is on the marriage roles. And then there will be another one here soon on um, ways to move toward a more Christ-centered marriage. And I will include that in the show notes as well. So people hate that word, women specifically hate that word submission because it brings with it all kinds of angst and misunderstandings and misinterpretations. Um, And so I'm just going to say, because I don't have time to go into all of it, I've lived a life of submitting to my husband. And it hasn't always been easy. But I will tell you this, God has blessed it. He has blessed it tremendously. He has also relieved me of a lot of unnecessary tension by letting my husband lead, and by submitting to his leadership. It is a beautiful, beautiful gift from the Lord. And if you have more questions about what that means, what that looks like, again, go and listen to these podcast episodes because there's a lot of, there's so much great content there. But let's look at a few verses. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Ephesians 5.22. Well, it's kind of a repeat of that. It's just a shorter version. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And 1 Peter 3.7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. And again, that is more the husband's role and they do not do this perfectly, but we certainly can encourage them in it by the way that we live our lives at home. And one of the ways that we do that is actually participating in and enjoying this truth and this beauty and this goodness in our homes as our husbands see us thankful and grateful and recognizing all the blessings and the good things. um, It is an encouragement to them. Another way that we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness when we have people over for food and fellowship. All these years later, um, you know, over the years, we had so many different people over. I didn't feel like I did it maybe enough, but I did it as much as I could. And you know what? God honored it. And my kids have great memories 
from just having people over and having fellowship. And they all live their lives like that now as adults. And I just think it's such a gift to give our kids to um, be able to understand the joy of that and the beauty in that and the goodness in that. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You guys, this doesn't have to be some big, huge, spread. It doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect. You can order pizza or make pizza or buy cheap pizza or whatever. You know, there is some joy, I will say, and some beauty in preparing a meal, even if it's simple, just putting that effort into making a meal for others. But, you know, maybe sometimes we have to start out doing the easiest thing and then work our way up to the more complicated things. And what we'll find is that as we as we do that, as we grow in that area, we find ourselves enjoying the beauty and the goodness of that whole adventure of having people over Another way that we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness is when we set the tone in our homes. I I mentioned this earlier about peace in the home, but I want to specifically talk about some really, um, a, a few effective ways, things that I think are important that I've always valued and felt like were a blessing, um, specifically to my husband, that when he comes home, he comes home to a house that's in order. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and good food cooking, that it smells really good in the house. You know, um, I've even gone as far as to throw a little bit of butter in a pan right before he got home because I was a little late cooking dinner and throw some garlic and onion in there. That's all it takes to make the house just smell absolutely heavenly. My kids love to come in and smell the smell of good home-cooked food cooking. You know, at one point when we had a lot of little kids, I asked my husband because I was, wasn't sure. Like I thought these things were important to him and I knew they probably were, but I said, you know, what's really important to you when I come home? And he told me that he did enjoy those things. He enjoyed the smell of good food. He enjoyed the house being in order. And so I, I would often just have the kids. We'd have a time that we would just go around and pick up right before he came home because you know how that goes. You could pick up 30 minutes earlier. And by the time he gets home, it's chaos again. But there was an element of honor and respect that I was teaching our kids by saying, hey, daddy's coming home soon. Let's get the house in order and get everything looking good for when he gets home. And you know what? They did. They jumped in and they did it. Um, But my husband also said, you know, if that's just not possible and there's a day that's just hard here and there where, you know, any day that's hard and you just can't quite make it to that, he said, I would rather come home to a happy wife. The rest of it doesn't matter. If the food's not cooking and the house isn't in order, if my wife is happy, that makes me happy. And so I would like you to just ponder that and think about that, moms, because having our hearts prepared for when our husbands come home is a big part of setting the tone in our home for him as a way to honor him. 
Um, but setting the tone in our home, I mentioned earlier, has everything to do with, you know, um, even the kind of music we listen to. Um, the other day after having that, uh, going through that podcast episode with Wes, I just went in the, in the house and I turned on Vivaldi. Out of all the classical music composers, I think he's my favorite. I haven't listened to massive amounts of classical music, but I've listened to enough to know that his is really upbeat. And it was very interesting because I, I just played that music the rest of the afternoon and through dinner. And our son, who is on the autism spectrum, has really been struggling with getting he had some issues about a year ago and he hasn't really gone back to one really creative hobby that he enjoyed for years before a year ago. And that is making cardboard guns. And it was very interesting because I let that, had that music playing for a while and we ate dinner. And after dinner, I found him in there working on his cardboard guns. I mean, that was just a huge thing. And I just can't help but think that playing that beautiful music was something that inspired him to be creative. So again, setting the tone in our homes, asking ourselves throughout the day, what is the tone in my home right now? Lord, how do we adjust this if it's not good? All right, another way that we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness is to work to keep order in our homes. You know, it's, a, it's not just a stewardship thing. It is a stewardship thing. We have, an, I believe we have an obligation to take care of the things that God has given us. And I think that God, this gift from the Lord um, of work is truly a gift from, the, from him. It is a good thing. He said back in the Garden of Eden when he gave Adam and Eve stewardship of the garden, it was before the fall. And he called it good. So work is good. And so this, these are things that I would tell our kids as we were cleaning and working on our yards. But you know what? There was something so satisfying. There is something so satisfying in walking across a clean floor with bare feet or stepping back and looking at a room that you just cleaned and just take a few minutes to enjoy it and drink it in. It is beautiful. And it's good. Order is good. And this is something Wes shared in the podcast. Um, he talked about um, how order is beautiful. Order is good. Um, how symmetry is beautiful and good. And so having order and symmetry in our homes is another way that we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness. Even working in our yards, I love working in my yard, um, and I don't overdo it. I'm not a crazy, you know, yard person, but I do the weed whacking and I do things in the yard because I love to pull up to a neat and tidy front yard, a neat and tidy porch. Now that wasn't always that way when we had kids, but we really did try to keep order out there as well, so that when we came home from places. We could enjoy pulling up to our home. It was a place that we wanted to be because even from the outside, we could see that there was order. Okay, another way that we participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness when we celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, accomplishments. I remember um, our daughter, we did reading lessons with our younger kids and uh, specifically with our younger daughter. One of the things, that she, one of her favorite memories is that she would she had a tea party um, for our younger daughter when she finished reading her lessons, her finished her reading lessons. So when she was finished with her reading book, she'd gone through a hundred easy lessons and got to the end. They had a tea party. She also remembers the time when I did a little 
birthday slash tea party for her dolls who she said were having a birthday. So little things like that. But even when we celebrate birthdays, stopping as we sing happy birthday to the person, pausing and thinking about just the goodness that God has brought us through that person, the the beauty of knowing that person, the, uh, the wonder that God has chose to give that person life and place them on this earth with a purpose. Again, we are participating in and enjoying truth, beauty, and goodness as we homeschool our kids. This is such an amazing thing that I think we can easily lose sight of in the midst of all the you know, the details and the minutia and the day-to-day of homeschooling, we get bogged down and we forget to revisit the wonder, the wonder of seeing the world through our children's eyes, following their wonder and their questions, walking alongside of them um, as they learn and as they, as their love for learning grows. And as we just really work to continue to awaken the wonder in them that is already there. Um, I've been reading or listening to Awaking Wonder by Sally Clarkson. Very, very good. Um, I I have one little caveat. Um, She talks a bit about determining the destiny of your children. And while I agree that we have great influence that God has given us as parents, it is God who holds their future and creates them for a purpose and a plan, not us who determines their destinies. But other than that little caveat, Oh my goodness, so far what I have listened to has just been absolutely astounding. It has been wonderful. So I would highly recommend that if you have lost the wonder of homeschooling. But spending time outside, exposing, you know, in nature, looking for where God is, you know, um, God is not in nature, but nature reflects him. And we can be talking about that and drawing about that. You know, I love Charlotte Mason for that very reason, just that that nature is so intertwined into their education, exposing them to good literature. So not twaddle, but good reading lists. Um, I'll include a link to a couple that I appreciate very much um, because we want our kids to be, we want to be reading them really good literature, exposing them to good literature, exposing them to good art and music. And this doesn't have to be intensive. This can just be having good books laying around the house, playing classical music in the background, um, just being more choosy about what we're you know, what we're leaving out for them to be exposed to, where we're bringing them, you know, what we're participating in. Um, I I picked up this at this discount store. I picked up um, an art book and I can't even remember the premise of it, but I think it had something to do with um, biblical history and art or something along those lines. That became our, our daughter's 21 now, but over the last few years, she has gone back to that book over and over again because of the beauty in it and the goodness in it and the way that she just can sort of marinate in beauty and goodness as she goes through that through that book. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. We can pick these things up, like I said, at discount bookstores. I just pray, Lord, 
you know, as a mom so many times over the years, I, I don't know what to get, what not to get. I just pray, Lord, would you just bring to me what you have for us? And and he would at yard sales and discount places and thrift shops and, um, you know, just people giving us stuff, um, the free, you know, just free stuff. Oh my goodness, you guys, it's out there. But pray for God's wisdom that he would show you what is good to bring into your home, what will help you and your family participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness. And then, of course, we talk about biblical science and biblical history. Um, I loved the mystery of history. I know there's other great history um, choices out there, but I loved it because it was um, sort of, it's told in a story form and it weaves biblical history and um biblical history and world history together. And so um, you get to see how they very much affected each other and were completely intertwined. And you begin to see God's story, how he is sovereign over everything. So, you know, um, I guess what I'm, my point is, again, going back to the original point, we can participate in and enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness right where we live. So all we have to do is slow down, <laughs> relax, ask God for wisdom. And this is what I did. I said, Lord, give me eyes to see where the truth and the beauty and the goodness are. Where do I go to find those things? And as I said before, he lovingly, graciously made it clear that it's right in front of me every day, all day, wherever I go, wherever I am, but specifically those blessings of truth, beauty, and goodness are actually present in my 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 own place where I live. And it's present in the place where you live as well. And it's curated by God specifically for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that you are truth, beauty, and goodness. Forgive us for failing to see all the places where you have poured out blessing and beauty and goodness and grace to us, Lord. Open our eyes. Help us to see it. Help us to relish in it, not to rush past it but to take the time to just marinate in it. And in so doing, we enjoy your presence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share one last resource before we go. I want to introduce um, an all-new resource from Classical Conversations. It's called Scribblers at Home. Recipes from lifelong learners. And it's an at-home curriculum for homeschool families with children ages four to eight. Step-by-step activities and easy-to-follow charts will help you cultivate a love of lifelong learning in your child through intentional everyday play. Find magic in the mundane as your kitchen becomes a classroom, your backyard becomes a lab, and your child develops simple learning rhythms that will carry them through life. You can use Scribblers at Home to complement the Classical Conversations Foundations program or just on its own. Either way, this new resource will help homeschool parents of little learners create a family environment where habits like playing, 
praying and reading come naturally. This is coming soon in 2023. Learn more at classicalconversations.com slash scribblers dash Dorenda. And I will leave a link in the show notes for you to check that out.